Welcome to the podcast, Move Forth with Grace. We will be reading the whole Bible in the year 2024. This is such a perfect way to get into God's Word each day and to develop your own relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I am your host, Angela, and want to first of all say that I am not an expert in theology or church history or a minister, and I never will claim to be. I am a wife and mother who has been reborn and want to be of service to God and gratitude for calling me back home. Welcome to the podcast. The Bible that I will be reading from is the One Year Bible. It is a New Living Translation, and you can find one at www.tendale.com. This episode is brought to you by the Move Forth brand. It encompasses freedom, health, and God's grace. We are created in God's image perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully. There is nothing that we need to do to earn his grace and his healing. He simply gives it to us. I am certified in health and life coaching, but no longer practice. However, I have health tips and resources, products that I love and use, homeschool tips and merchandise available on my website, and that is www.move-forth.com. One of my favorite products on my website and that I use each day are stem cell activation patches. Stem cell therapy can be very costly and can produce results that are short-lived, which is why these patches are so brilliant and they're not considered to be stem cell therapy. They actually activate our own body's production of stem cells and support our health and well-being, all while optimizing our immune system. You can check those out on my website as well, www.move-forth.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for becoming less like you and more like Jesus. May you move forth with grace today. All right, well, today is day 56. We will be reading Leviticus 16, 29 through 1830. Mark 7, 24 through 8, 10, Psalm 41, 1 through 13, and Proverbs 10, 15 through 16. Let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together in your word so that we can be guided by your wisdom and that we can know how much you love us, Father. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 16, 29 through 18, 30. On the tenth day of the appointed month, in early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you, and you will be purified in the Lord's presence from all your sins. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. This is a permanent law for you. In future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to serve as high priest in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar, the priests, and the entire congregation. This is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel. This is what the Lord has commanded. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere inside or outside the camp, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be as guilty as a murderer. Such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. The purpose of this rule is to stop the Israelites from sacrificing animals in the open fields. It will ensure that they bring their sacrifices to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle so he can present them to the Lord as peace offerings. Then the priest will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he will burn the fat as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. 
the people must no longer be unfaithful to the Lord by offering sacrifices to the goat idols. This is a permanent law for them to be observed from generation to generation. Give them this command as well. If any native Israelite or foreigner living among you offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice, but does not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle to offer it to the Lord, that person will be cut off from the community. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. And if any native-born Israelites or foreigners eat the meat of an animal that died naturally or was torn up by wild animals, they must wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. They will remain ceremonially unclean until evening, but then they will be clean. But if they do not wash their clothes and bathe themselves, they will be punished for their sin. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God, so do not act like the people in Egypt, where you used to live, or like the people of Canaan where I am taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees, for I am the Lord your God. If you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. You must never have sexual relations with a close relative, for I am the Lord. Do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Do not have sexual relations with your sister or half-sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was born into your household or someone else's. Do not have sexual relations with your granddaughter, whether she is your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for this would violate yourself. Do not have sexual relations with your stepsister, the daughter of any of your father's wives, for she is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister, for she is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister, for she is your mother's close relative. Do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife, for she is your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife, so you must not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife, for this would violate your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter, and do not take her granddaughter, whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They are close relatives, and this would be a wicked act. While your wife is living, do not marry her sister and have sexual relations with her, for they would be rivals. Do not have sexual relations with a woman during her period of menstrual impurity. Do not defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. Do not permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Moloch, for you must not bring shame on the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. A man must not defile himself by having sex with an animal, 
and a woman must not offer herself to a male animal to have intercourse with it. This is a perverse act. Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, for the people I am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all these ways. Because the entire land has become defiled, I am punishing the people who live there. I will cause the land to vomit them out. You must obey all my decrees and regulations. You must not commit any of these detestable sins. This applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I am taking you, and this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out, as it will vomit out the people who live there now. Whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions and do not defile yourselves by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who lived in the land before you. I am the Lord your God. Mark seven twenty four through eight ten. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it out to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears, then spinning on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephphatha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, Everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. About this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called the disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? Seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples, who distributed the bread to the crowd. A few small fish were found, too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Psalm 41, 1-13 For the choir director, a psalm of David. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. 
The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they asked. They visit me as if they were my friends, but all the while they gather gossip. They gather gossip, and when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. He has some fatal disease, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food and has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again, so I can pay them back. I know you are pleased with me, for you have not let my enemies triumph over me. You have preserved my life because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Proverbs ten fifteen through 16. The wealth of the rich is their fortress. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. And that concludes our reading time for today. All right. So we are now moving into a portion of Leviticus, um, starting in 17 through 26, that is called the Holiness Code. And um, this section focuses mainly on what it means to live a holy life. And the central verse that we will be seeing tomorrow is 19.2, which you must be holy because the Lord, your God, I am holy. So this is um, uh, the section of Leviticus where this is emphasized. And you know, the thought crossed my mind here where there's all these uh, rules on sexual relations where as before now, um, we would see uh, that, you know, men would have multiple wives, um, some were their sisters, uh, and, you know, a lot of this stuff was happening. And so this is where God is like, okay, you know what? It's gone way too far. Everyone in the land that you're going to practices this. And so he is helping to set them apart by establishing these um, new guides uh, for being holy. So if you're wondering about that, um, that could be an explanation for that so that the, the Israelites would be set apart. Okay, and uh, one of the questions in the companion today is about um, sacrificing outside the tabernacle area. So why were they prohibited to do this? God had established specific times and places for sacrifices, and each occasion was permeated with symbolism. If people sacrificed on their own, they might easily add or subtract from God's laws to fit their own lifestyles. Many pagan religions allowed every individual priest to set his own rules. God's command helped the Israelites resist the temptation to follow the pagan pattern. It is interesting that when the Israelites slipped into idolatry, it was because everyone did as he saw fit. And that is from Judges 17.6. And how does blood make atonement for sin? On the one hand, blood represented the sinner's life, infected by sin and headed for death. On the other hand, the blood represented the innocent life of the animal that was sacrificed in place of the guilty person making the offering. 
The death of the animal, of which the blood was proof, fulfilled the penalty of death. God therefore granted forgiveness to the sinner. It is God who forgives based on the faith of the person doing the sacrificing. And so it's important for us to remember, um, you know, blood is life. And um, when Jesus at the Last Supper, he, you know, as he is speaking of the wine being the blood, he wants his blood to be in our lives. And so um, I just still love that, uh, that illustration there and the importance of it, uh, the importance of blood and it's the life. Okay. And um, over in Mark today, there's just a question about, um, you know, where certain towns were located, how far apart they were. So one of the questions is how far was Tyre and Sidon from Galilee? Jesus traveled about 50 miles to Tyre and then went to Sidon. These were port cities on the Mediterranean Sea north of Israel. Both cities had flourishing trade and were very wealthy. They were proud historic Canaanite cities. In David's day, Tyre was on friendly terms with Israel. That's in 2 Samuel 5.11. But soon afterward, the city became known for its wickedness. Its king, Ethbaal, even claimed to be God. And that's in Ezekiel 28. Tyre rejoiced when Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC because without Israel's competition, Tyre's trade and profits would increase. It was it was into this evil and materialistic culture that Jesus brought his message. So just talking about, um, you know, political climates and um, just histories of wickedness and uh, enemies of Jerusalem itself. And so it just shows that Jesus was willing to absolutely go to these places too. And we are introduced to a woman um who could be called a Syrophoenician in Mark and would also be referred to as a Canaanite in Matthew. And Mark's designation of this from Phoenicia um, is it would be, it would refer to the political background. And okay. So had to make a quick edit here. My first edit, we'll see if it actually works. I have no idea if it will. Sorry about that. Um, just had to, I had a knock at the door, so I needed to go and answer it. It was my my children, so they needed something. Okay, so we were at the um, Syrophoenician, the political background. So his Roman audience, so Mark's Roman audience, would easily identify her by the part of the empire that was her home. Matthew's description was designed for his Jewish audience who remembered the Canaanites as bitter enemies when Israel was settling in, in the promised land. So that is why that distinction is there. And there are two different distinction, distinctions of this woman's background um, for those reasons. And okay, so Psalm 41 marks um, the end, let's see, um, of the first book in Psalms. And Psalms is divided into five books. Uh, and one ends with a doxology or an expression of praise to God. The first book of the Psalms, Psalms 1 through 41, takes us on a journey through suffering, sorrow, and great joy. It teaches us much about God's eternal love and care for us and how we should trust him even in the day-to-day experiences of life. So that marks the first um, book of Psalms for us. 
So let's go ahead and finish with our prayer today. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, just your guidance and wisdom in our lives. We just pray that we can focus on, just focus on Jesus today, Father. We just pray that our hearts can come from the love that you have for us, that we can be loving towards others, that we can seek you and love you, Father, first, that we can understand truly how much we need you, Jesus, in our lives. We we need you, Jesus, and we thank you for being our Savior. And we just pray for um, for peace in our hearts and minds and for just love in our families and our friendships and just gratitude in our hearts to you, Father. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that concludes our episode for today. I thank you for joining me. I thank you just for your patience with me. It's a it's a one one girl show here. So hopefully this episode will turn out okay. All right. I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.